0: About how good it is to be in this place together today. We praise you, Jesus. We thank you for how you are being exalted all around the world today, and there has never been a greater time for that to happen than right now. We need you, Lord, in this place, and this world needs you, so Holy Spirit, would you lift Jesus up before us and draw us to him today for your glory and for our good, and all of God's people said... Amen. Listen, church, every world religion is trying to do the same thing. Every world religion is, create, is communicating the same message, which is this. There is a God, and for you to get to Him, here's a list of what you've got to do to get to Him. If you do all of these things, then maybe, just maybe, you can get to God. The Buddhists have a list. The Islamists have a list. The Jews have a list. Catholics have a list. Mormons have a list. Jehovah's Witnesses, they have a list. But evangelical, Protestant, Christians, and I would say I fall into that category, we have a different message. We have a gospel message, the gospel, an amazing gospel, a glorious gospel, a loving gospel, a reconciling gospel. When it comes to God, listen, our account, when you think about that word reconcile, right, you think about... Financial things. You think about banking. If your bank calls you and there's been a, a problem with your account, you're now in the red, you're in a deficit. You got to somehow reconcile that account. You got to bring your numbers back up to a place where they match up to what the bank has declared is right and is true. You got to reconcile that. You got to bring that back into alignment. And listen, we need to know today that as sinners before a holy God, we are operating out of a deficit. We need to be reconciled to God. We do not match up to God and give us a million lifetimes. We would never do enough good things to dig ourselves out of this deficit, to dig ourselves out of the red, and to reconcile us to our holy God. In fact, the Bible says, his book says, that even our righteousness, what we think is righteous compared to the holiness of God, is just filthy rags. We are far apart from God. Who I am and who he is does not even come close to matching up. Not even close. And other religions tell you that you can reconcile yourself to God if you just do all the steps. If you just do all the right things. If you're just committed enough. If you just try hard enough. If you just work hard enough. And I'm here to tell you today that's not true. We evangelical Christians, we preach a gospel that says there is no to-do list and there is no to-do list because Jesus has done it all. At the cross, he declared it is finished. Now, there was a to-do list. The to-do list said be perfect and be righteous. And the problem is we're, we're not perfect. We're not righteous. Romans three twenty three says that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Nobody could do that. Nobody could be that. We're all sinners. None are righteous. But here's what makes the gospel message that we have different from every other religion in the world. We preach a gospel that says there is nothing that we could ever do to reconcile ourselves to God. And so God sent his son into our world to live among us, to do for us what we never could do. He came to reconcile us. God. He put on human flesh and he met the requirements of the to-do list. He lived a perfect life. He lived a sinless life. He lived a flawless life. And he offers by his grace to credit, to credit his account of righteousness into our account of sin. He will give us his standing before God. And then to prove that the death of his son on the cross was sufficient and was satisfying in his sight. God proved that by raising him from the dead. Happy Easter, church. Now, through a living Jesus, God is offering the world this gracious gift. Gift. The gift. He's offering us and our world this gracious gift of being reconciled. Can you imagine? (laughs) Offering sinners... This deal, you can be reconciled reconciled to a holy God as a free gift of his grace. We only need to repent of our sin and trust Christ to reconcile us to God. I hope that you know you've done that today. I hope that as you sit here today, you're confident that you have a saving relationship with almighty God by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. If not, then I pray before you leave this place today that you would know Jesus. But I'm fully aware today that most people in this room, you probably have trusted Christ. You would say that you are saved. You would say that you have been born again. And if you are, here is what you have probably done. With this amazing good news that Jesus came to save you from your sin. You trusted Christ. You got your ticket to heaven punched. You maybe got baptized and all that good stuff. And then what you did is you put Jesus right back up here. And then you started doing what any decent Christian would do. You started doing what you needed to do to get close to Jesus. Somebody handed you a list and they said, Now do all these things and this is how you can get close to Jesus. This is how you can have a close relationship with Jesus. It's interesting. The religions of the world have their list of what a person has to do to, get, to come to know God. We evangelicals, we don't have a list of what you have to do to get to God because we have the gospel, but here's what we do. After receiving Jesus, what do we do? We pull out a list. And we say, now, to get close to God, this is what i got to do. And so we start taking all these steps. And most of the Christians in this room, if you're honest, you would say, I've probably spent my Christian life trying to do the steps trying to do what it is I'm supposed to do to get close to God. Jesus saved me, and now I want to close the gap between me and Him, and I want to get closer to Him. And so I'm praying because I want to get closer to God, and I'm reading my Bible because I want to get closer to God, and I'm going to church because I want to get closer to God. I'm fellowshipping with other believers because I want to get closer to God. I'm in a Bible study group. I'm in a Sunday school class because I want to get closer to God. And sometimes when I'm really even fired up about getting close to God, I might even fast a meal or two. Why do we do all those things? Because somebody told us we got to do all those things to get closer to God. And and, and that's how the world thinks. See, we live in a world, the philosophy of the world says if you do A plus B, you're going to get C. If you pray and you go to church, the devil won't get you. If you pray, you read your Bible, you go to church, you do all those right things, then you're going to be close to God. If you... Go to school, and you graduate, you find a good husband or good wife. You can live the American dream and be happy. That's the philosophy of the world. If I do A and B, I take the right steps, then C, the reward is inevitably going to happen. This is how world religions work. Do this, do this, and do this, and maybe, just maybe, you'll get this. Work hard, try harder, and you'll be rewarded. And listen, that's what we've done with the gospel We've received the gospel of grace. And we've turned right around and made it a gospel of works. We got to check the boxes. We got to take the steps. We got to try harder. We got to do more. We got to be more diligent. And what we've done is we've turned a relationship with Almighty God into just another world religion. Keep working. Keep doing this. Stay committed so you can get closer to God. And it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. In fact, I'm here today in part to say that I no longer identify as a Christian. Before you panic and freak out and run out of the room, just hang with me to the end of the sermon. Because <laughs> I know some of you are like, what? I identify as more than that. I'm telling you, religion doesn't work, worldly philosophies don't work. A lot of what we do in the church is based on this assumption that I'm not close to Jesus. At least I'm not as close to Jesus as I think I should be. And so I got to try more and do more and work harder and I really got to get on the list and I really got to get the steps going and we've been convinced that this is the pathway to becoming a mature Christian. <clears throat> This is not the pathway for becoming a mature Christian. This pursuit does not end in maturity. This pursuit does not end in being formed into the image of God. This pursuit ends in frustration. This pursuit ends in discouragement. This pursuit ends in anger. This pursuit ends in disillusionment. This pursuit ends in discouragement. This pursuit for many ends with being angry. At God. You know why? Because in this we're still thinking like the world. If you'll be a good boy or a good girl. Santa will be really good to you. We think that about God. Listen the world may work on a works and reward system. You work and you get rewarded. The world works that way. The kingdom of God does not. In the kingdom of God, nothing is earned, everything is given. Now, there's some brothers in the room, that ruffled your feathers a little bit, because we walk around all bowed up in this world, nothing's given, everything is earned. And that may be true in the world, but it is not true in the kingdom of God. Nothing is earned, everything is given in God's kingdom, that's how it is. And you know why, gentlemen, we don't like that? Pride. We want to take those steps. We want to do all that work. We want to check all the boxes. Not because we want to be close to Jesus, because we want other people to think we're close to Jesus. We want other people to pat us on the back because they think we're close to Jesus. We want to give the perception to people that we're close to Jesus. And we want people to go, man, what a guy. What a woman. What a a Christian. What a person. Whoa, how about that? That's what we're really after. We want to be admired for how good we are. Now listen, I know some of you only show up for Easter. And don't be offended when I say that. I'm glad you're here. And I think I know why a lot of you only show up for Easter. I get it. The reason you only show up for Easter is because sometime in your past, somebody gave you the list. And so you did the church dance. And you did all the steps. And you kept trying, and you kept trying, and you kept trying. And I know it didn't work, did it? It never does. Not for anybody. Nobody ever arrives listen if you're thinking that is me pastor that is exactly me that is why i only show up at easter because i have seen this show all my life i know how it ends it doesn't end with anybody getting to that place god loves you give him your life and then he's going to be the carrot dangling out there in front of you that if you just try harder and work harder and do more things, then eventually you can be as close to God as a human being could ever want to get to. But the problem is you cannot do that. And what you get as a result in the meantime is you put in all the effort, you put in all the work, and you end up disappointed. You end up discouraged. You end up with all the guilt and the shame because somebody will say you're just not enough. You're just not committed enough. You just don't love God enough. You just don't try hard enough. If that's what you, my Easter-only friends, are thinking, I want to say to you, I am so glad you're here, and you are absolutely right. And because you know that, I stand a much greater chance of helping you today than I do a bunch of church members who are really proud of the steps they're taking. Those of you who have come to the end of yourself in religion, I stand a lot better chance of giving you something valuable today than I do those people who are convinced that they can do everything in such a way that at the end of it all, people say, man, what a great person. What a great church member. What a great Christian. Let me tell you why what you've experienced in church doesn't work. Let me tell you why doing all these steps don't work. Because it's inconsistent with who God is. It's inconsistent with the gospel. It's inconsistent with what he has done for us through Christ. We have preached a true gospel right up to the point that somebody is saved. And then we turn around and teach them a false gospel. We preach a true gospel that says, be saved by grace through faith, not of works. And they say yes to Jesus, and we give them a list. And we send them off to do the work. To the lost, we preach grace, and to the saved, we preach works. And that's why this isn't working, because this is not the gospel. This is not the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. This is not saving anybody. In fact, quite the contrary, this is sending a lot of Christians to hell. It's not working, not only because it's inconsistent with who God is, it's also not working because, let me ask you this, when I'm living my life this way, who am I focused on? me. The question is, how am I doing? Am I good enough? Am I committed enough? Am I working hard enough? Am I praying hard enough? Am I fasting enough? Do I know enough Bible? Am I in enough Bible studies? Am I going to the right church? Do I have the right pastor? Do I have all these right things? And the concentration is always on me. Listen, if the spirit of God is living inside of you, what he does not do is draw attention to you. What the Spirit of God inside of you does not want to do is to make you think more of you. The primary role of the Holy Spirit in a child of God is to focus their heart and their mind on the Lord Jesus Christ and by virtue then to focus their heart and their mind on people that need to know Jesus Christ. But the focus stays on my performance. Am I good enough? How am I doing? Listen to me, church. This is what we've done. We've believed The gospel. And we come in here, we celebrate the cross, we celebrate empty tomb. we get on our feet, we raise our hands, we're so excited. And then next week we pull out the list. What do I got to do to get closer? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. All this is from God. He's talking about salvation, by the way. And he says, all of it's from God. Who, through Christ reconciled us there's that financial word again God through Jesus now has caused our life to match up with the life of God it's not our righteousness but the righteousness of Jesus that's been given to us this free gift of grace that Jesus came and he offered us this through his finished work at the cross all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and watch gave us the ministry of reconciliation God has reconciled you to himself and given to you a ministry, the ministry of reconciliation, to tell other people your life also can match up to God. You don't have to be in a deficit. You don't have to be a sinner before God, but you, you can be with God in a relationship reconciled to God. That is in Christ. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us The message of reconciliation, the word message there is actually in Greek, the word logos. He's entrusting to us the logos. John 1 said Jesus is the logos. He's entrusted to us Jesus. Jesus is the message of reconciliation. He is heaven's message of reconciliation. He has trusted us with Jesus, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, in light of all that, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. How does he make his appeal through us? Because he's in us. And we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. There's a theme there. I don't know if you caught it. It's reconcile. Five times. Five times the word reconcile or some form of it shows up. Just like your bank account, the word reconciliation here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is assuming that your account before God is jacked up. You've been operating out of the deficit. Spiritually, you're busted you're broke as a hammer. you got nothing to bring to the table. How in the world would we think this is going to get it done? We need to be reconciled to God. The Bible's clear. Our standing before God is that we were sinners, therefore enemies to God. But the good news of the gospel is God sent His only Son into the world. that whoever believes have everlasting life. Jesus came through His perfect, sinless life, through His substitutionary death on the cross, through God raising Him from the grave. We can be saved, reconciled to God, no longer His enemies, but His sons and His daughters, adopted by His grace. Let me make this clear to all the steppers out there. Christ, and Christ alone, that reconciles sinners to his Father. If you live your life in such a way that everybody says, look how good they did it, you didn't do it right. If all they see is you, then you didn't do it right. Paul says, I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. I'm crucified With Christ. Let's be clear. Listen. Good news. If you are born again. There is right now. No separation. None. Between you and God. There are no steps that are needed. There is no gap to close. Jesus does not need your help. Closing the gap. He's closed it. He did it all by himself. You were dead in your sin. You couldn't close the front door. You certainly couldn't close the gap between you and a holy God. He has done it all. We don't have to take a bunch of steps to get closer to him. Listen to me. We cannot be any closer to him than we are right now. And it's all grace. He's in us. And we're in him. And there's nothing, 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 nothing that's ever going to be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. We are fully and we are forever reconciled to God. Yes, we were sinners. But Christ died for sinners. To reconcile us to God. Now we've, we've been adopted. I get that. I had this beautiful seven-year-old, black hair, big brown eye, beautiful, wild and crazy daughter that God gave to us through the miracle of adoption. Here's how I don't tuck her in the bed at night. I don't go up and kiss her and love on her and say, Now listen, baby, if you'll be really good tomorrow, Daddy will love you more than I do now. And Whatever you do, don't mess up. Because you sure don't want Dad to love you less than he does right now. Now, that is not what I do. I love her with all my heart. Even when I want to thump her head sometimes. <laughs> There's nothing she could ever do that's going to make me stop loving her. There's nothing she could ever do to make me stop being her daddy. Nothing. And if I'm a sinful man, and I can be that kind of dad, how much more of an Abba daddy is a holy God toward me and to you? God is not dangling himself as some kind of carrot in front of you today saying, listen, if you'll just get your stuff together, if you'll just be better, if you'll just do better, if you'll just stop sinning and you'll start trying to be holy, if you'll just do all that, then I'll love you a little more. No! God is not dangling himself as a carrot in front of you. God delights in you. He delights in you. He delights in you. There's nothing you can do to make him delight in you anymore. There's nothing you'll ever do to make Him delight in you any less because He's adopted you and He has wrapped you in the righteousness of His Son, Jesus. It's not me always trying to close the gap on Jesus and stepping toward Him. It's Jesus to me. It's Jesus in me. It's Jesus for me. It's Jesus through me. You say, but pastor, what about prayer? Prayer. What about reading my Bible? What about Bible studies? What about Sunday school? What about going to church? Why do we do all that then? I thought we did all that stuff to get close to God. So if we're already close to God, as close to God as we can possibly get, then why do we do all this? Are those things important? Yes, they're important. But we don't do those things to get closer to God. We do those things because we're already as close to God as we're ever going to be. That we stand in awe of this kind of love, this kind of mercy, this kind of grace. That God would come and he would bear our sin to reconcile us to God. He did not have to do that. In love he did that. And we look at that and we would say, now if that kind of God is with me. A God with that kind of love, that kind of compassion, that kind of mercy, that kind of grace. I want to know him better. So I read my Bible because I want to know this God better. I pray because I want to know this God better. I fellowship with other believers because Christ is also in them and I can know God better as I know them better. I'm not trying to get closer to Him. I just want to be more aware of His closeness. I want to I know Him more. Paul said, I want to know Him in the power of His resurrection. But that's not the only reason I do all those things. I also do all those things because I want the love of God. To pour out of me. As long as I got time on this pale blue dot called planet earth. I want the love of God to pour through me. Into the lives of people who don't yet know. This God that I know. Who don't yet know his love and his grace and his salvation. And his mercy. Go back to 2 Corinthians again. Look at verse 18 again. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. He closed the gap. we killed him. And gave us the ministry, look at this, this is why he closed the gap. So that he would use us to close the gap in other people's lives. I'm sorry, Sadie, I didn't mean to scare you. You're my buddy still. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. He closed the gap, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ. God was reconciling the world himself. He's the closer of the gap, not counting the trespasses against them. And watch this. And entrusting to us the message, the logos, Christ, entrusting to us that Jesus, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, you know what that makes us? We are ambassadors for Christ. I no longer identify as a Christian. That's not enough. I'm a son of God by adoption, and I am an ambassador of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Please do not define me in a religious category, and please don't define me by a word that Jesus doesn't use to define me. The word Christian is only found in the New Testament two times, and both times it's in a derogatory sense. God doesn't call me a Christian. He calls me a son adopted by his grace he calls me his ambassador in this world therefore we are ambassadors for christ god making his appeal through us how is god making his appeal through us hello he's in us he can't be any closer than he is he's in us so we implore you on behalf of christ be reconciled to god if he did this for me he'll do it for you If he did this for me, he'll do it for you. There's nobody he won't do this for if he's done this for me. Jesus has reconciled us to God, and he says, now you're still on this planet. to Tell other people that God stands ready to reconcile them to himself as well. To Tell other people how their life can get in balance with a holy God, how their life can match up, and it's not through steps. And it's not through religion grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Tell them that Jesus came to the world to save sinners. I'm his son adopted by his grace. I'm his ambassador. You know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is somebody that represents a king. A king dispatches an ambassador into an alien culture. I want you to go into that culture and I want you to Show them who I am. I want you to represent me. I want you to stand on behalf of my name and my kingdom. And God says, that's who you are. When I adopted you as my son or my daughter, I'm sending you into a foreign culture that oftentimes can be hostile, but I'm sending you there not to make that culture a little better, not to try to make it more like you, not to try to make it Americana. I'm sending you there to represent Me, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Because every other kingdom will soon crumble. And only the King of kings and the kingdom of God is going to last forever. So that's who we are. We represent the king in this culture. These people who are enemies to this king by nature and by choice. To tell them that they too can be reconciled. For the love of God, let us not hand him a list. Just the gospel. Verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And as an adopted son of God through grace, I implore you today, as his ambassador in this world, I implore you today, if you have never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, trusted Him alone to reconcile you to God. I implore you, be reconciled to Him today. As the Son of God, adopted by His grace, called His ambassador in this world, I implore those of you that are here today who have been content to merely be a Christian, who have been content to just be religious and take the steps and do the work and think good of yourself in hopes that others might do that one day as well. I implore you today, get off the steps. I implore you today, see the truth about the gospel and who you are, who God as you are and why you're here revel in the love of God revel in the presence of God in you and in the work of God through you and stand up and be counted and reclaim your God given identity and your God given role in this world sons and daughters ambassadors for christ in this place the tomb is empty today so it'd be a good day to take all our religion and all our work and just toss it in that empty tomb with all of our sin and with all of our shame and all of our guilt and live as free men and women of god wrapped in the righteousness of christ filled with his holy spirit sent out As ambassadors in this world, that is who he says we are. And God, we praise your name. I pray for those here, Jesus, that have yet to be reconciled to your Father through faith in you. Maybe they've been looking at a list somebody handed them, and they've got enough good sense to know that ain't going to work today they've heard the gospel, and I pray that today they would trust Christ to save them. Gotta pray for the good Christians in the room. Who maybe today, Holy Spirit, you've flipped a switch in our hearts and our minds, awakened us to the gospel. Not just the gospel to the lost, but the gospel to the saved. Help us, Jesus, to see you today and who you say we are and why you say we are still here. Awaken us to the glorious truth that you delight in us right now. You could not be closer to us than you are right now. That there's nothing that we would ever do that would separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Nothing we could do to make you love us more or less. It is settled. Jesus said, it is done. It is finished. Forgive us, God, for insulting your grace by trying to add to it Jesus plus a little bit of my work. God, no, to you alone be all the glory. To you alone be all the praise. It is more than enough to simply be who you say we are And to do what you've called us to do, all for your glory and our joy. That he will raise only what is of Christ in us. For however many Easter's we may still have on this planet. I believe God is stirring, not just here, but in saints all around the world. I believe that there's going to be another great awakening, a gospel awakening. I told my friend Brad this week, I think we're going to see another reformation happen. The first Reformation happened because the gospel got in the hands of the people. I think today some of us got the misunderstanding about the gospel worked out in our brains and our hearts. And there's maybe a gospel awakening going on in some hearts today. And I'm excited about that. I want to get you to be seated for just a moment. I, I can't turn you loose just yet. I've been looking forward to this. I'm going to ask the Leith family to come here and stand with me just a moment. I love it when families come and make a public, or anybody comes and makes a public profession of faith in Christ. Come on up here, fellas. Um, And and so today, we get to celebrate with the Leith family. They've been praying for their children for some time to come to know Christ as Savior. And this is Baker. How old are you, Baker? Ten years old. On the way home from church Wednesday night, Baker started talking to Mom, I think, right? To Dad. And uh, after a lot of prayer and a lot of talking with Mom and Dad for a long time, Uh, Baker was very clear Wednesday night that he understood the gospel, very clear that the Holy Spirit was drawing him to be reconciled to God through faith in Jesus, and he did that, and so we praise Jesus for that. Amen? Praise the Lord. And then, big brother Nate had no idea that had happened. None. Gets up on Thursday morning going to school. Who's he going to school with? With mom. Doesn't even know yet that that's happened, and he starts to talk about the gospel and his need for Jesus. And on the way to school, his mom has the opportunity to hear Nate's heart for Jesus. And he gave his life to Jesus on Thursday morning. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, this family doesn't know this, but I have something for you all today. I told Ashley Wednesday night when she texted me about Baker. um, I said, hey, tomorrow morning, uh, I'm going into this 100-year-old house. It's the house that Grace Life started in. They started meeting there and praying together and seeking the Lord in 1942. And the McWatters family has been so gracious to us to say, listen, whatever history you can pull from that for the new campus, we want, we want to share that with you. And so me and some others went over there Thursday morning, and I'm crawling under a, in a crawl space of a 100-year-old house, And I found something in there that when I saw it, I thought of you guys. Now, here's why. Ashley's grandmother, Baker and Nathan's great-grandmother, in 1942, when this little group of people were meeting in that house, praying about what God would have them to do, they call her grandmother Buttercup. She's been with the Lord now for a few years. Uh, As a young teenager, probably about your age, Nate. How old are you? Probably about your age, maybe a little bit older. Your great-grandmother gave her life to Jesus in that house. And when I was crawling under that house, I found a chair. And it just so happened to have been in Grace Life green. No, no, I kid you not, it was. All I have done is, is clean this chair. Green was the color of these people for their church, Loveless Park, apparently when they started. When they, they got old feed sacks and they boiled them to clean them and they dyed them green and hung those up to be petitions for Sunday school classrooms where they met. We found some old feed sacks too, by the way, under that house. Um, And and then Miss Dolores was telling me the other day that the the first church was green in color. Anybody remember that? Some of y'all back there in the back, was it green in color? A greenish color first church? So green's sort of been our color. So I want you guys to have this chair. I don't know, maybe the way Jesus works, it could be that Buttercup sat in this chair when she gave her life to Jesus. But here's The other part, not only is uh, Buttercup with the Lord, but earlier this year, a precious little girl in the Leith family, Ellie Grace, um, at 30 weeks, I think, 28 weeks, went home to be with Jesus. And so I want to give you guys this chair today, and we're celebrating that Buttercup and Ellie Grace are both with the Lord, all right? Are your girls in here? Come on, girls. Come on up here. This is Hannah and Kate. Hayden and Hannah-Kate, sorry. Which one's the little one? Come here, Hannah-Kate. You want to sit in Buttercup in Ellie Grace's (laughs) chair right here? Go ahead. I sat in it, if it could hold me up. But listen, that's not the only chair I found. Um, There was another lady that was saved the same day that your grandmother was saved, and she's still a member at Grace Life. She's 95 years old, and just as God would have it, I... I, I was nosy yesterday. I said, what, what service are y'all coming to? They said 9.30. I called the family of this other lady, and I said, what service is she coming to? They said 9.30. I said, it's going down. <laughs> Miss Baldeen, can you make your way down here, please? Miss Baldeen and Miss Buttercup gave their lives to Jesus in that house the same day. Yeah, escort her on down here, young man. Miss Baldeen, I have a chair I want to give to you, too. Yours came just like this. Well, I cleaned it a lot, but you wanna come sit in this chair for Miss Baldine? It'll hold you up. It held me up. You wanna come up here with us? I'm gonna get you to stand right back here with this family, right there by Ashley. Do you remember that day that her grandmother gave her life to Jesus? And that was the day you gave your life to Jesus too. We, we gave our life to Jesus at <laughs> And here we are in God' good grace life. Amen. Amen.